the Supreme Court took up a case of whether keeping pigs in extremely small cages is cruel and unusual. You know what? No, stop it. It's time the hostility stops. They're called representatives and senators. Yeah, no need for the name calling. No, seriously. California passed a law prohibiting the purchase of pigs from vendors who keep their pigs in really small cages. Now, experts predict a win here for the pigs, as it's just cruel to keep these creatures in these really confined spaces. The lawyers then celebrated by going to their favorite barbecue joint and eating some pork ribs. Hey, here's how you prepare the meat that makes all the difference. Yeah, just delicious. Oh, come on. You know you love your bacon. You know you do. Well, also in the news, football fans everywhere are crying foul as the referees are calling pretty much routine sacks now of the quarterback as unnecessary roughness, which is real bad news for Giselle as I hear she is planning on hitting Tommy pretty hard in the foreseeable future. Yeah, Tom, it's called divorce court because fleecing court just doesn't have a good ring to it. Well, speaking of rings, yes, Tom gave her a really nice wedding ring, which now they don't say this during the wedding ceremony, but they give you the ring because it's to remind you that if you act like a prick during your marriage, you're soon going to get rung up. Yeah, now that's some symbolism you can use. Well, Joe Montana has now reemerged as the winningest quarterback in a Super Bowl history, as his four rings now trump Brady's three and a half. That's right, Tom. Fleecing court doesn't have a nice ring to it. Well, we will unpack these stories and more in this week's Debriefing the Law. Welcome to this week's edition of Debriefing the Law. Chris, thank you so much for joining us. I know you're joining us from your work. You're in D.C. or are you in New York? I have no idea where you are. <laughs> Yesterday I was in New York all day. Uh, today I'm in D.C. Okay, so you're, 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 how, are, how are the Bidens? They're doing well. They send their love, Joel. They're, uh, they're getting a new dog that they're going to name Brandon. And they're okay. just having a great day. <laughs> okay. If that were true, that would be absolutely hilarious. But I'm assuming <laughs> that that's in jest. But yeah, if you could send them a dog, like like Checkers, name him Brandon, just to see what he would yep. do, that would be absolutely gold, Jerry. That would be gold. Well, hey, it's a it's a great week here. Thank you so much for taking some time out of your schedule there. I, New York City is one of my of favorite cities to be at. I just love, love the pizza in new york city oh did you have pizza yes. a slice of pie yeah so my my running joke is that yesterday i had two meetings for my day job in new york city so i took a three-hour train ride to have an hour-long meeting and two slices of pizza and then a three-hour train ride back to dc it was a solid day that is well that is a good day uh, when you put yeah, your head it was on delicious. your pillow at the hotel, you yep. said, I lived well today. And so you, you go did. and you, you get, first of all, you got to double park because you're in New York City. I, I say this from experience. I, my my oh friend, my Joe Rotella, also my client there in New York City, took me to experience a slice of pizza pie the New York way. And oh. we started by double parking in the street. And then we go into this little pizzeria and bought a pepperoni pizza and you fold it. Because you gotta fold it in if half. In New York, oh yeah, you gotta, you gotta fold, fold it long it. ways. Exactly. You, oh, you gotta tip sure. the pepperoni pizza over, 
and Greece better be running out of it like it was some kind of, uh, you know, faucet. That is the sign oh, yes. of a good piece of pizza pie. Did, did you have one of those? Yeah. Exactly. I had it. Was, so we were just outside of Penn Station on our last visit. Um, a couple of big law firms are right there. And so okay. there was a little pizza shop right in there. Um, some Italian name. I couldn't remember what it was, but they were serving pizza by the slice. Two pieces and a Diet Coke was uh, 15 bucks, And I appreciate the Diet Coke as I folded my lovely pizza in half. And it rained that golden grease just yes. everywhere. Yes. But hey, but you the diet coke, calories. The Diet Coke back, was clean. Yep. That, that's good. Yep. Back when I was, uh, mm-hmm. I, I was working for a, a fast food joint here in Kansas City called Machine, not Machine Shed, Winstead's. And, and it, I was working drive-thru one day and this lady came through and she ordered a double chili cheeseburger uh, with, with fries, a chocolate shake, and then she said, and a Coke. No, make that a Diet Coke. Lady, that ship has long since sailed. I don't think at this point in time that Tyco is going to help you one bit, but hey, it's good. You cut calories right. where you can. And, and so now you're if, in D.C. And if, you I, I to, hope... if you talk to people, well, no, if you t- Sorry, I was going to say, if you talk to people, they will say Diet Coke tastes better than regular Coke. Okay. So I have long given up that idea that they're just like, oh, I need a diet. Now, Diet Pepsi drinkers are for sure lying. Anytime you get a Diet Pepsi trigger, they are lying out their teeth. All right. Well, I will not drink Diet Coke. I am a Coke Zero kind of guy. I just love the Coke Zero and the Pepsi Maxes. But, hey, that's our our product placement. This podcast brought to you by Diet Coke and Pepsi Max. Of course, I am just kidding on that. Uh, Mm. You are now in D.C. So one more travel note I want to throw by you. Of course, you probably have more travel notes than I do. If you have time, check out. Moby Dick. It, it is a great kebab restaurant, Iranian kebab restaurant. They have several of them mm-hmm. in the D.C. area. My one Moby Dick story was I went there to get a kebab, a chicken kebab, and I saw coming out of the kitchen the biggest rat I have ever seen. Now, I, I kid you not, I love their food. So I, I know you're thinking, Joel, you're, you're, you're dissing right. on them in a way I don't know how they get their meat. I'm not going to ask questions. I really thought the kebab was tasty. But I then I go to the cook, and, and I say, it might have been even the owner. I don't know. I said, hey, you know, I saw this huge old rat come out of your kitchen. He goes, no, no rat here. No rats. No, I, I saw him. He, came, he goes, no rats. No rats in kitchen. It's like, okay, whatever. It was delicious. Yeah, I'm not going to You're talking judge. to. Exactly. All right, yeah, Chris, I, so let's we've start gone, off. We've gone to Moby Dick before. You have? Sorry, we've gone to Moby Yeah, we've gone to Moby Dick before. Not this. So this trip, the AUSA um, conference is in town, which is the biggest conference of defense contractors in the world. Something like 45 countries are here, plus all the defense contractors. So D.C. right now is absolutely the worst traffic, even worse than normal. So okay. it's insane. Right. We're, not, we're not going anywhere. Sounds good. We'll enjoy some more Moby Dicks there while you're in the D.C. All right, Chris, we have a lot of legal news to unpack. Let's start off, though, with our celebrities in the news. And so there you go. Celebrities in the legal news from this week. And so first off, let's talk about Mm -hmm. Alex Jones. Now, Chris, it dawned on me that as I, if you were to wear a light blue shirt 
with a blue sports jacket, you might be able to double. Are you his doppelganger? Has anyone told you that? <laughs> no, nobody with their right mind would ever compare me to Alex Jones. All right, all right. Well, uh, yeah, maybe not in character, but maybe in, mm -hmm. in income. As his income, Ooh, I think, has now yes. gone below your income. I have no idea how much money you make, Chris. Oh. But I do know you probably don't have enough money in your budget to absorb a $1 billion hit. I don't think anybody on this podcast currently could accept a $1 billion hit, including Mr. Jones up there. That's right. So a Connecticut jury awarded today, let's see, this is a Wednesday of this week, uh, $1 yep. billion against him. And so, yeah, he is enjoying his 15 minutes of fame. I had never even heard of Alex Jones before this whole Sandy Hook thing came about. I assume he actually was some kind of celebrity. I just didn't run in his circle, so I had no idea who he was. And now he, because of the outrageous things that he said, he, at least to these Connecticut families he owes one billion dollars but chris that's just that's only one of three lawsuits and so he i hope mm -hmm. he has a little bit more money to go because it needs to be spread around uh, several plaintiffs all right chris right. also in the legal news this week this is near and dear to my heart it's happened in my neck of the woods on monday of this week monday night football you had the kansas city chiefs playing the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, Chris, you got to mm -hmm. understand, we don't like the Raiders. We hate the Raiders. It doesn't matter what the records are. Throw the records out. We want to beat the Raiders. And so there's right. an animosity between the two franchises. So we're, we're playing the Raiders here in Kansas City. And I know you mm -hmm. were in the air while this game was going on. But let me just tell you, it ended in the most bizarre way. Have you heard about how this game ended? Yeah, uh, and by the picture there, it looks like Devontae's assaulting some people. All right, well, it was fourth down and about, let's just say, 10 yards. I forget what. It, no, it, okay. it was after it. It's fourth down and something. And they it, it was at the end of the game. And the Raiders had to get a first down or the game would be over. So the, the Chiefs were right. going to send the blitz. You knew that. It was going to be a bang, bang play. So Carr goes back to throw the ball, and he just has to release it as far as he can. Well, the Raiders actually had a step on the Chiefs. Here's the problem. There were two Raiders in the same location. The two receivers ran oh. into each other like it was the bad news bears. It was hilarious to see them do this. Uh, and so, in fact, when I first saw that, you saw the ref about want to throw the flag. He's like, oh, that's pass interference. It's like, no, no, you can't interfere with your own, with your own teammate. But you know the ref <laughs> wanted to throw that flag. He was reaching for his pocket. Yeah. No, do not throw that flag. That was two Raiders running into each other. And so he was ticked off. And this is what happened. Mm -hmm. And the Chiefs, it would one crushing loss for the Las Vegas Raiders. Strayson from Adams and whoa, whoa, whoa. Can't have there that as go. Adams leaves the field, the frustration. As he was walking out and he pushed the camera guy. Chris, what do you think about that? Yes, it's frustrating to be there on the field and to, to run into your own teammate. And so you lose the game in a very embarrassing way. By the way, on third down, Devontae mm -hmm. Adams also messed up royally. He got a very easy pass mm -hmm. to him. 
I mean, if he would have caught this pass, they would have been in field goal range. Game would have been over. Well, what did he do? He bobbled right. the ball. And so by the time he, he caught the ball, both feet were out, or, or he only had one foot in bounds, and that second foot did not land in bounds. So it was incomplete pass. He was ticked off. And so then he right. goes and he runs into um he, he runs into his uh he runs into the, the sound guy. guy. What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, you, look, we get frustrated at work all the time. It's it, it happens, right? And dropping a loss like that in Kansas City to the Chiefs after they were dominating the first half of the game, right? It was it's obviously it's obviously straining, but the it shows a lack of professionalism. Right, you don't go out and then just yell at the support staff for doing their damn job. Right, right? the 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 guy wasn't the guy wasn't from the camera angle. It wasn't like he was trying to get in on Devontae, listen to what he had to say. He wasn't pushing the mic in the guy's face. He was no. literally following around the camera guy to make sure that 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 mic guy was doing his job. And just well, because here- his job interfered with with where Adams was, doesn't mean Adams gets to start pushing people around. Here's what it looked like to me. You see this a lot by the camera people is that they're always right. scurrying to get in the right position for the next shot. Right. So they're always running around the field, trying to get the best position. And so that's what he's doing. He was mm-hmm. just doing his job. And sometimes they do maybe cut off a player, but come on, that, that, that you've got to allow people to have their room. And that does not deserve a shove from Devonte Adams. But Chris, mm-hmm. this is the question I want us to focus on. Do you think what mm-hmm. Devonte Adams just did was a crime? Yes, hundred percent. Yes. Okay. Right. Look, if you if you if Devonte and this guy were right there and he wasn't paying attention and he bumped into him and knocked him over, that's an accident, right? That's one thing. Devonte saw this cat and pushed him hard, pushed him to the ground. That is, you know, that's that is a physical touching that caused harm. That's okay. a battery. You know what? You could be the prosecutor here in Kansas City. Charges have been filed against Devontae Adams for a misdemeanor, I think, November 10th. He has to show up in court back here in Kansas City. And so apparently you can beat up on people on the field. You better leave it there on the field. You had no basis for just pushing and shoving this guy. This guy went to the hospital. He claimed concussion. Now, I I shouldn't say this, but I, I, I question it. I mean, you just do. Is this a money grab? It might be. Devonta Adams is a $100 million receiver. But you know who's to blame for this? Devonta Adams. Green Bay. That's exactly who's to blame for this. So you could say, yeah, the guy should not be doing the money grab. Hey, you know what? It doesn't matter. The guy should have run in front of Devonta Adams. It doesn't matter. Hey, Devonta. Don't push the guy to the ground, all right? Have some self-control. You're no longer playing the game of football. And don't be some prick player Mm -hmm. who just thinks, I am above other people. I can push the other non-athletes around. I'm entitled. I'm an athlete. No, you're a Mm crybaby. And now you're going to have to pay out your back pocket for what you did. Any thoughts before we move on to the Supreme Court? Yeah. I mean, without the camera crew, Devontae, you're not worth anything. There are plenty of guys out there that aren't playing for the Raiders that can run a 3-4-40 or they could catch the ball or they could do anything, but they're not in front of a camera getting paid $100 million because they're not their brand isn't worth anything. Without those oh. camera guys, Devontae, you're worth nothing. You are so dead so stop on. stop pushing my, them around. 
my dad was a journalist and that was his big take. He was, he got so upset with these coaches and athletes that refused to talk to the media. Mm -hmm. He's like, no, no, you don't understand. The media is why you're making so much money. If there were no media covering this story, fan interest would Mm -hmm. be nowhere near where it is. And guess what? You would make not near as much money. And so, yeah, if you like that hundred million dollar paycheck, Respect the journalists that are just doing the job. A great point right. there, Chris. All right, Chris, it is now time to go over to some Supreme Court legal news. The Supreme Court is back in session. Oh. They ended their recess a couple of weeks Drama. ago. So they only have a few weeks of work before their winter recess. We already talked about that. It's great work if you can get it. Mm-hmm. But they, while they're in work, here's what they did this last week. They decided not to hear a case well, of course, I just realized what I just said there. I was pumping up the Supreme Court like they were going to do work. And one of their orders of business was to say, no, nope. we don't want to do this. Case. No we don't want to actually do work. Nope. Whatever. No. Right. They, so, and they well, really don't want to do this case. The, well, this case is about Rhode, uh, Rhode Island law. So Rhode Island passed this mm-hmm. law that basically codified Roe v. Wade under state laws. Mm-hmm. In other words, they're saying we don't care what the Supreme Court right. does at, in the, at the United States level, at the federal level, and, and the state level, we are going to say there is a right uh, to to abortion under the, the Roe v. Yep. Wade line of cases. And so that's what they did. Well, some mothers brought this lawsuit on behalf, in their own rights, but also on behalf of their fetuses saying, hey, look, this yep. law takes away my fetuses' right Whatever right my fetus mm-hmm. has as a pre-born human, this law violates their rights. And so they filed this lawsuit. Well, the Rhode Island Supreme Court dismissed this lawsuit saying you don't have standing. And here's one of the reasons why, Chris, they said you don't have standing to argue the fetal rights of your baby. Do you know what it was? Mm-hmm. What? she didn't have a fetus anymore. The baby was born. And so it's a moot point. Whatever right they might have had as a fetus, they are now a living, breathing human being with no one's going to question the the, the legal rights, constitutional rights of a post-birth human being as compared to a pre-birth human being. So that was their first line of argument. But then they went further and said, even as a fetus, fetuses do not have standing rights to to uh file an action in court and so that issue then goes before the u.s supreme court and the u.s supreme nope. court said huh Hard let's no. check our, we're not going to even look at this yeah right. I, I think chris they actually have a thermometer of of controversial <laughs> cases and they oh you know what we're, we're a little high right now on that thermometer right. of, of of controversial cases right. this maybe tone it down a bit now is not the right time right. to bring this case and so they they um d- denied cert on that case a- any thoughts well i also think that this goes in line with their roe v wade decision right alito in his majority opinion said this is a state's issue and Good they got to kick it back out to the states and the states said thank you and Rhode Island says, we will feed you Road v. Wade right back to you. And right. it would, to me, it would seem almost hypocritical for the Supreme Court to then take up this case and go, you know what? Actually, this state doesn't know how to decide it's, the, it's abortion rights. So we're going to come in here and now step in and say, state, you're wrong. See, that, that would seem very hypocritical to me because you just, you know, arguably, the biggest controversy around the Supreme Court ever 
was the Roe v. Wade overturning? Because if you remember, right, the, the draft opinion was released about a month or a little further than a month beforehand. So all the protests happened, all the people came up in arms, and then the opinion got released, which was very similar to the draft opinion in the most part. So I don't think Roe, I don't think this Supreme Court wants to revisit that nastiness over again. Great, great point there. That Alito did say this was a state's mm -hmm. issue. We want to send it back to the states. It would seem extremely hypocritical to take up the case now and say, whoops, just kidding. This is now a federal issue. Right. All right. I think, though, Chris, that they, the, the, they're on to something here. I, I think I'm just going to talk now about strategy for the pro-life side. I, mm -hmm. I think here's what should happen. The states should pass laws granting full citizenship, full rights under state law to the pre-born in their state outside of the abortion context. So I'm talking tax exemptions. I'm talking about state aid, whatever rights okay. a, a one month old would have a negative one month old would have as well. So once you start conferring right. rights outside of the abortion context, then I think you postured a really great argument for the Supreme court to say, no, Hey, we have, we have a right as a state to uh, protect life. Look, we have been recognizing it as a right for the last 10 years under our laws. And so when it comes to our criminal mm -hmm. code, well, then you shouldn't draw the line and say we cannot recognize the rights in, in that area as well. Any thoughts on, on that strategy? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it's a, a solid strategy. It's a hard strategy because I don't know where the Supreme Court's going to be in 10 years. Look at, look at the justices that are on the court now. In 10 years, Clarence Thomas may no longer be with us. Right. On the court or off the court. Um, the next in line after Clarence Thomas to leave would probably be... I think Alito was next in age. Right. Well, I, I, I think Alito, maybe, but maybe Keegan, maybe, maybe Sotomayor. Last time I saw Sotomayor, she wasn't moving around too quickly. Okay. So... And and who and after this Ruth Bader Ginsburg thing, right? Ruth Bader Ginsburg, if you're on the more liberal side of things, you wish Ruth Bader Ginsburg would have retired in 2010 rather right. than dying in 2020, right? So if you're looking down the road 10 years, maybe the next Republican president that comes in, you have Alito retire, you have Clarence Thomas retire, and you put in some 56-year-olds or 45-year-olds. So here's why I, I think, think... I think it's a smart strategy for the state. Here's but why it's I think hard that strategy... not knowing what the composite will be. Based upon what you just said, this is why I think that strategy is all the more important. The composition of the court might very well change in 10 years. I mean, it would be very stupid to think it wouldn't mm -hmm. change. I mean, just think about it. Clarence Thomas's seat was right. held by Thurgood Marshall. Uh, and, and Amy Coney Barrett's right. seat was held by RBG. It, it, it does shift. It, it, it balances shift. Justices change mm -hmm. along the ways. Look at uh, the Chief Justice. Many right. conservatives would say we don't even recognize who right. this guy was, who he confirmed back in 2004 or whenever that was. And, and so, yeah, the composition yeah. of the court very well might change. That's why a state needs to start saying, we recognize the rights under state law for the pre-born in right. all these various contexts. Because when they start doing that, right. they put their money where their mouth is and it's outside of the abortion context. That's why I, if they don't do it outside right. of the abortion context, no, I agree. then it just becomes an argument of this is just posturing for the right to life debate. Well, and I think they should be doing that. I think that 
states both liberal and conservative or independent, if you want to go red, blue, purple states, should be doing that anyways. Like outside of all the, the political pandering and, and um, puffery, if you're going to, you should recognize, if you're going to have a right to life state, Georgia, Arizona, Texas, wherever, then you need to recognize and you and you pontificate that life is at conception, um, then put your money where your mouth is. Because right now, life begins at conce- life begins at conception for one reason and one reason only. And that's for you to impose harsh abortion laws. And I think if the court changes composition, but yet the states have treated mm-hmm. the preborn as a full human being with full rights under state law, that really enhances right. their argument. All right. Oddly enough, Chris, I'm going to make a transition here, and you are going to think, Jill, this is Ooh. a crazy transition. These two cases have nothing to do with each other, but oh. they do. We've been talking about abortion they issues. Do. Also, the, a second abortion case the court considered this week and held oral argument on was National Pork Producers Council v. Ross. Chris, this case is about pigs, but it's also about mm-hmm. abortion. Here is how I'm making that connection. Okay, so it really is about yeah. pigs. California passed this law that mm-hmm. prohibited uh, commerce, uh, you know, people buying pork from pork companies that don't take care of their pigs. In other words, some of the cages right. for these pork for these pigs are so small the pigs cannot even get up and stand around. And so I don't mm-hmm. know if free range pigs is such a thing, but California said we're gonna pass this law in California. You cannot buy pork from someone who does not treat their pigs to five star accommodations. Okay, so mm-hmm. here is reality. Just because California passed that law and it seemingly only applies to California, in reality, it applies clear across the United States because everyone wants to do business with California. It's so huge Mm -hmm. and so big. You got the money. What poor company is not going to change how they do business just so they can do business in California? And so this one decision by California it's going to impact Georgia, Kansas, Missouri, Wyoming, all these other states, their pig, pork, re, you know, related laws. And so that's mm-hmm. the issue in this case. Does it does this California law violate the, uh, the constitution? Mm-hmm. Well, Chris, this is all going to hinge on the dormant commerce clause. Here's what the dormant commerce clause is all about. There is actually a commerce clause in the Constitution, and it gives the federal government Mm -hmm. the right to regulate interstate commerce. No one is questioning that. It's right there. It's in the Constitution, black letter law. Okay, that's easy. Yep. But what if Congress doesn't regulate a certain area? Well, does that mean the states are free? to regulate in that area, that's where the dormant commerce clause comes in. It's like, well, no, if Congress chose not to regulate in that area, then maybe Congress is saying we don't want regulation in that area. And in any event, California should not be then creating national policy because it's just simply a state. So Chris, does that that kind of make sense? Oh yeah, I mean, this is your, you know, second semester Civ Pro class going on right now. That's right, all -hmm. right. So you're probably saying, well, Joel, then how does this relate to abortion? I'm glad you asked, Chris, and here is the answer. I did. Because 
And let's go back to the abortion track. Here's what people are thinking is going on. They are thinking that, let's say Georgia, because I think this actually is a real example. They want to yeah. change their abortion laws to prohibit, let's just say, all abortions. Well, here's what their citizens are going to do. Okay. Their citizens are then going to say, no, 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 we're going to then travel to another state to have our abortion and then come back mm -hmm. and live in Georgia. So how is Georgia going to respond to that? Georgia mm -hmm. is then going to change their laws to say, eh, it's now illegal for you to travel to another state to have an abortion. So this is an attempt by Georgia to influence the laws in another state. Now, do you see the connection with the pork producers case? I do, I do. And it's gonna be interesting because it's gonna be hard for the dormant, in my opinion, right? I'm not saying that you're wrong here, Joel, but it's gonna be hard to make that correlation between the dormant commerce clause and what Georgia's gonna try to do, and that's regulate essentially charge people with murder, right? They're going to, the Georgia law that says you cannot abort a fetus is based in the protection of life and that abortion is murder. Right. So I, I think that one's going to be a civil issue, right? Commerce clause is definitely a civil issue versus a criminal issue, which will right, be it, what Georgia, but, but I see the, I see the correlation there because it's going to put, it's going to put the Supreme court in a hot seat to be able to either defend or completely abandon or go all in, right? Push their chips into the table on this discussion of what can a state, you know, we, we kicked it out to the states. Now we're gonna talk about what a state can and can't do. Right, and the interesting thing about this case is it's really creating multiple personalities by these justices. It's gonna create right. a very interesting, you know, grouping. We like uh, to think of this court as, oh, it's a six, three conservative liberal split. Not when it comes to the dormant commerce clause. Let me just give you a couple names right out of the gate. You got Thomas and Gorsuch. What they say mm -hmm. is, nope, there is no mention of a dormant commerce clause in the Constitution. It does not exist. Case closed. California, you can go ahead and right. save the pigs. You can have this law. That, that, that's right. no brainer for those two justices. Kavanaugh and Roberts, mm -hmm. not so fast. They think, no, there is this dormant commerce clause. So already the conservative faction right. is somewhat split. Now let's go over to the liberal side. Here's the interesting thing about the liberal side. Liberals generally like regulation. I know I'm speaking in generalities, but they generally like uh, yeah. uh, regulations and conservatives like to be free from you know federal regulation. Well, here, if you if they have a, an opinion that supports a federal regulation, they're undercutting California's right to be proactive when it comes to mm -hmm. green type of laws. California likes to have more restrictive laws right. that protect the environment as compared to the other states and as compared to the federal government. So a liberal decision here might want to reward California, but at the same time, they might be mm -hmm. opening up the door for Georgia and with its abortion regulations and things like that. So this decision might create multiple split personalities by the justices. So we'll have to pay close attention to that. Mm -hmm. All right, Chris, any other thoughts before we move on to my favorite case of the week? No, let's just, cause we could talk this, this to death, man. Let's just move on into the best case of the week. All right, let's now talk here. I'm gonna put this on the screen here. There you go. This is the Andy Warhol Foundation for the Visual Arts v. Goldsmith. Mm -hmm. So this is what this case is about, Chris. So back in 1981, 
This photographer named Goldsmith took this picture there. You see it there on your screen uh, of of Prince, and and so he was, a, was a, he was a famous photographer. Became famous for taking pictures of various uh, you know stars, and so that was the picture he took of um, of Prince. Well, in 1984, Andy Warhol, a famous artist who did the Campbell soup cans and things like that, he then painted this collage there on your right. I'm going to get your right and left mixed mm -hmm. up. Whatever. You get the idea. The one that has uh, multiple yep. pictures. Andy Warhol painted those pictures based on that photograph of a prince. Now, it's important to know that in 1984, Andy Warhol said, I am basing this picture, my paintings, on this photograph and mm -hmm. this is not some kind of well what evidence do you have no no it's ironclad andy warhol wrote a check to goldsman said here is some money i want to buy the rights mm -hmm. to make this picture so that's what's going on all right now we are going to go to 2016 andy warhol has since passed away and now it's the estate of andy warhol and they created this uh picture it, it was based on the early okay. ones the orange Prince right there. Uh, you yep. can see that there. That became the, the way cover right. yep. of Vanity Fair. That's the orange of Prince. And, and so they did not pay Andy Warhol, or I mean uh, Goldsmith, for the right to use that photograph and that picture. And so this issue then mm -hmm. goes to the U.S. Supreme Court. When do you actually have public use rights of a picture well, or of someone's creative work? Chris, have you heard of the the um, uh, common use, fair use doctrine? I have actually, yeah. All right. So it, it's just this idea that you can use someone else's creative works, whether it be a movie, whether it be a painting, whether it be a, a picture. You have certain rights to use that. That's called fair use. Fair. For example, education. If you are just using it to help educate someone, mm -hmm. Fair use. If you're using it in satire, fair use. If you are using mm -hmm. it um, uh, for non-commercial purposes, fair use. It's all different kinds of of items that the Congress has said, hey, you know what? Everyone can use that. We're going to consider that a fair use of that other person's creative work. The, one mm -hmm. of the linchpin issues also in the fair use doctrine is this. Have you transformed that original work? So if you took their work, let's say, and in satire, mm -hmm. you transformed it to become something else, well, now you have fair use of that, that creative mm -hmm. work. So, Chris, that then right. becomes the issue in this case. Has this orange prince been transformed in such a way that it is different in substance from this original photograph? Any thoughts? I gotta go with no, but I, I'm not an IP lawyer, so I, I, I don't, I, looking at it, right? Picture on the right, black and white picture of Prince. One on the left, it's an orange Prince. You could tell it's modeled after the same thing. So I don't, I, I don't know, but also under our model ethics rules, I cannot represent somebody if I'm not competent in the subject matter. All right, there you go. Well, I'm going to go to my resident expert on the issue of transformative work because the issue is asked at the Supreme mm -hmm. Court on Wednesday of this week about mm -hmm. how does this transformative principle apply when you're taking books and turning them into movies? And a question movies. was asked yes. about 
Lord of the Rings. Let me go now to Zach Oster, our resident expert for the Lord of the Rings trilogy. All right, I have on our resident expert on all things the Lord of the Rings, Zachary Christian Oster. I, I don't know why I said Zachary Christian Oster. I guess that's what mom calls you. And so, hey, Zach, thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. No problem. I hope I'm going to be compensated fairly for this. Hey, come Christmas time, dude, you know, well, just go to a Nebraska game. I'll buy an extra runza for you, and it's all going to be good. Uh, hey, so speaking of a Nebraska game, I remember we went to a Nebraska game. It might have even been a spring game several years ago, and it was we had some time to kill, so we went to a bookstore. Am I remembering this right? Did you not buy all three books to the Lord of the Rings? That's true. It was one giant copy of the Lord of the Rings. Um, How old were so you when you bought that book? Oh man, that was a long time ago. Too young to be trying to read Lord of the Rings, probably. Uh, 10, 11, 12. I, I would have guessed about 10 to 12. And so the book was like an encyclopedia big and you read the entire thing within one year. I'm not sure I've read that many pages in my entire life, let alone when I was 10 years old. So that's why when I heard today's argument at the Supreme Court, it's the case Andy Warhol Foundation for the Visual Arts v. Goldsmith, and they made a reference to the book Lord of the Rings and the movie The Lord of the Rings. And my, my, I immediately thought of, well, you would be the expert. Uh, Zach, you've seen both of these things how are they how are they comparable well the book and the movie are they're definitely comparable um but there are a lot of differences some much more important than others uh relating even to the theme and, and entire swaths of the book uh being not even included in the movies okay um, if you really just look at the amount of content in the in the movies more than half of the book is not even in the movie essentially um, okay only about only about 20 of the 62 chapters are covered in depth in the movies. Um, about 30 of those chapters are partially covered, and then 10 chapters are just completely, completely missed in the movie. Now, are there things in the movie that are not in the books? Uh, yeah, there are. Um, some of the major characters, uh, while they exist in the books, are their roles are completely different. Okay. Um, for example, Arwen. Uh, the to-be wife of Aragorn, the king. Uh, her role is mainly just as a motivator in the books. Um, whereas in the movie, she replaces almost every action taken by uh, Glorfindel and, and has a major role. Wow, you just kind of shot right over my head. But hey, I'm glad you know those names. I, I couldn't even repeat them right after you said them. Well, the issue in the Andy Warhol case at the Supreme Court is what copyrights, what rights do you have in your own creative work? And so just for your uh, benefit, but you know, at the under the copyright laws, if someone creates something, like they take a photograph of something, you have the rights to that photograph. You also have the rights to derivative works from that photograph so that if someone else uses that work, they got to pay you right to use your work. And so that is the issue in this case is at what point does someone else's use of the work 
become different in nature such that they don't have to pay you royalty rights. Well, one of the big issues at the Supreme Court was called this transformative power. Did the second person transform the original work into something new? It's listen to this question from Justice Amy Coney Barrett. So if a work is derivative, like Lord of the Rings, you know, book to movie, is your answer just like, well, Sure, that's a new meaning or message. It's transformative. So all that matters is for. All right, so what do you think? Uh, uh, was the movie transformative from the book? I mean, were they identical? Or was it, was it, was the, the movie substantively different than the, um, the book? Uh, I think it would be hard to say it's not a pure, purely derivative adaptation. Uh, there's definitely major differences that would make you know an uh a book reader like potentially upset uh with stuff they miss but it's the differences are not enough to claim it's it's a different work um, okay so now i want you to listen opinion. to i want you to listen to the art the answer from the lawyer now you gotta get in mind you gotta keep this in mind this guy's arguing before the u.s supreme court the last thing i want to do in arguing for the u.s supreme court is and give a stupid answer, right? You, you want to know what you're talking about. Listen to his answer and then listen to Amy Coney Barrett just laugh in his face. Uh, I, I don't think that Lord of the Rings uh, is has the has a fundamentally different meaning or message, but I would have to probably but I would probably have to learn more and read the books and see the movies to give you a definitive <laughs> judgment on that. And I recognize reasonable people could all right. So basically he said, you know what? I know I just answered your question, but maybe I should have actually read the book or seen the movie before I answered your question. Does that surprise you as a non-lawyer? How could you have not seen the movies or read the books? I don't know. That seems ridiculous at this point in time. And why the would times, you, man. Right. And why would you answer a question when and then say, oh, yeah, I, I know I just gave you an affirmative answer. But maybe I should have watched the, the movie or read the book, and then maybe my answer might mean a hill of beans. Hey, thanks so much, Zach, and uh, I'll see you tomorrow at your concert. Welcome back, Chris. Now, Chris, I know you have yeah. never made a mistake in open court. <laughs> I know you're a litigator. <laughs> have you ever said anything really stupid in court that you just afterwards said, why did I say that? Many, many. My mentor, my absolute favorite lawyer that I've ever worked for, said that a, a lawyer gives three arguments, right? The, the argument you prepare for, the argument you give, and the argument you give on the drive home. And, and the drive home is always the best. Is the best. It's the best argument. But I always rehash on that drive home all the stupid, stupid things that I said during whatever. There's been, I mean, I've had jokes fall flat. And I thought I was connecting with the jury, so I made a yes. lighthearted comment. Mm, nope, 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 nope. Well, let's go back to the tape here of during oral argument this week in the Andy Warhol uh -huh. case of the U.S. Supreme Court. And I'm going to play for you a clip where a lawyer, I am sure, on the way home was kicking herself. Oh. What in the world did I just say? And I think also another individual was probably pretty curious about what she said. Let's play the tape. It will unpack why it is so interesting. And any time, I know he wanted to stick to book versus movies, but any spinoff, any adaptation is 
It just starts with a new meaning. Take all in the family. Norman Lear would be turning over in his grave right now. He had more spinoffs than any show in American history. The Jeffersons was about a prospering African-American family who lived on the east side. Now, I, I like the Jeffersons. I, I like all in the, mm-hmm. in the family. But I'm thinking that Norman Lear is pretty interested in what just was said. Chris, did you catch that? Right. Yeah, he would be turning over in his grave right now. Here's a problem. He just celebrated his 100th birthday. So why are we being so quick to throw dirt over Norman Lear when he is still alive? I cannot believe she said that. Oh, she's an ageist, right? She just assumed that he was dead. And let's be honest. Let's be honest, Joel. How many of us knew that he was still alive when she made that comment? And all of us millennial lawyers, who even knew who Norman Lear was? Like... It was a safe bet for her, but okay. it, it didn't pay off. But do you know who would not be amongst those millennials? The people sitting uh, on the bench. That, that's a hundred percent true. Every I, single. I, I bet but you, you know that they, they were probably thinking they were, hard. They were probably thinking, uh, uh, you, is he still alive? You know what? Let's do a quick Google here. Right. I don't want to correct her, so no one corrected her there in open court. Though you know they had questions. No one had the courage right. to say, I know for a matter of fact, he did not pass away this morning. And so um, I hey, would have loved to have been there to see Clarence Thomas look over at Sonia Mayor and go like, dead? Is he dead? And then look back. Exactly. All right. It is now time for Courtroom quarterback. Hey, Chris, we have a lot to talk about in the world of sports. A ton. Uh, Ridiculous. So much before we get into our betting picks from this last week. Oh, my God. But let's uh, start with what is an issue that is dominating the sports talk. And it has dominated my household because this happened to my beloved Kansas City Chiefs. It also happened to the Atlanta Falcons. But what I'm talking about yep. here is the fact that I think we are now playing flag football. These roughing the passer penalties, it's getting absolutely ridiculous. Something has to be done about how idiotic these calls are. So, Chris, let me play some videos here for you. The first video I'm going to play is the Kansas City Chiefs versus the Las Vegas Raiders here in Kansas City. And mm-hmm. you got to understand the context of this game. There's a, about a minute left here. And uh, and watch this. And this is the first half. So we are down 17 to 7. We're down 17 to 0, trying to come back. And there's a minute left. Mm-hmm. This is third and eight. And so if we stop them here, we will get the ball back. And could, we'll, we'll score a touchdown. We get the ball to start the second half. We, we could score 14 points. We can do the, the tandem there, the back-to-back. We would be up 21-17. So it would be a huge turning point in the game. Which is out of like – right, I was going to say, that's not out of the question when you got Mahomes at the helm either. So it's, oh, no. a, very real, it's a real play situation. Exactly. And so let, let's, let's watch what happened here. And the ball is taken away. All right, so just pause right there. Did you see that sack? Huge moment in sack. the game. And Chris, I'm good telling sack. you what, what you just saw there was a perfect play. And I'm telling you, yeah. perfect with good a sack. capital P. Chris, they have been insanely protective of the quarterback, have they not? 
Well, so, after the whole Tua thing, we're, we're seeing a lot of gun-shy referees right now trying to penalize people back into acting right. Which is stupid. Don't even get me on the whole Tua thing. But since you did, let right. me just go off on this right now. Do you know what was the mm -hmm. problem with the Tua thing? Not the hit. No one is even questioning that was a fair hit of Tua. They're questioning the right. decision to put him back in the game yep. because Tua no, is a small you. dude who is concussed relatively easily. That's the problem right. with Tua. The hit on Tua, absolutely 100% fine. No problem. No flags whatsoever. Again, sorry, I'm right. getting off that soapbox. But people keep right. mentioning the Tua thing. The problem with Tua is ever sending him back into the game after he proved that right. he was concussed on that hit. All right, let's go back here now. Right. I'm sorry about that, Chris. I just had to, to let off some steam there with that. All right, mm -hmm. so why was this the perfect play? Chris, they actually have a rule in the NFL to protect the passer that a defender cannot fall on the quarterback with all of his body weight. Are, are you familiar with that rule? Mm-hmm. So watch what Chris Jones does when he is landing on the quarterback. He takes his his arm, and I'm horrible. I'm gonna guess maybe it's his left arm. Watch it. He braces his fall with his left arm to make sure he does not land on the quarterback. Watch this. Car is hit from behind. You see that? He put his left arm down to stop his fall. Do you know what his right hand was doing? Stripping the ball. Yes. By the time they landed, he had possession. They were fighting for the football. So he is not a passer here. It is a loose ball. You have two guys fighting for a loose ball. But nonetheless, while he is falling, he makes sure to put his left hand down to stop his fall to protect the quarterback while his right hand is stripping the quarterback of the ball. Chris, you do not get a better football play than what Chris Jones just did. Would you not agree with that? Well, no, because he was roughing the passer. Oh, stop the nonsense. That was not, this was the most perfect play an athlete can do. He protected the quarterback. He had his left arm down right there. He stripped the ball with his right hand, maintained possession. And as you alluded to, this is how the refs rewarded him for this absolutely perfect play. Car is hit from behind. And the ball is taken away by Jones. A flag comes out on the play. Well, and I think Carl's going Personal full body foul. weight. Roughing the passer. Number 97. Defense. 15-yard penalty. Automatic first down. So, All right, so many parts unpacked from wait, what I just on, played for you there. No, 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 no. No, but he, he called it on number 97. Chris Jones. And Chris Jones is 95. Yeah, they called it on Chris Jones. I don't know if he said 97. That was inadvertent, but it was, it was on Chris he did. Jones. Okay. I didn't know if there was another 97 out there. Look, I'm trying no, to give no, the no. guy the benefit. Look, I'm just saying. No. Yeah. I mean, no. It, it, the, I, I fully believe, and I know that you went nuts on this, but I fully, fully, fully believe that after this Tua situation, the refs are going to be gun-shy for a while. You're right. They don't want to then... They don't want to then lose their job when they're not protecting the passers and they're not recognizing what's going on. We saw you're how right. the NFL fired the doctor. And so I, I think that you're going to see, at least for the next couple of weeks, some of these bad calls 
that are going to go in favor of the quarterback because they're going to be gun shy about this whole situation. I agree with you 100%. I just want to point out where this is eventually going to go after they try to change the rules and they realize it doesn't work. They're going to realize the Tua situation was not a mistake in tackling. No, the Tua situation was a result of him being a small dude who is injury prone. And then the stupid idiotic doctors who saw this guy stumbling around like he was a drunk out of a bar say, oh no, that's a back injury. Let's send him back in. That was the idiocy in that game. It was not in the tackle. But again, just hold, trust me, it's going to come in a year from now. That's going to be the final word on the Tua thing. He is just easily concussed. And the doctors were idiots for sending him back into the game. Mm-hmm. All right. Back on to the Chris Jones. Totally One other thing I want to point out why this play angers me so much. Have you heard that Andy Reid, which by the way, you were you are a Doppling ganger for um, uh, Alex Jones. Yep. You also could pass as a young Andy Reid. I am just saying. I can look at I'm, an early picture of Andy Reid. It's it's right there. That's I honestly think that's what's going to be my Halloween costume this year. I'm going to shave the beard just down to the Andy Reid stash. And I'm going to get some KC gear, and that's what I'm going to walk around the neighborhood in. Probably safer to do that than to do Alex Jones. But nonetheless, you would be scarier than Alex Jones. But, all right, back to here. So here's why I'm going to fault my beloved head coach, Andy Reid. He has not been known for a really good end of half, end of game, game manager. He's, he's just, he doesn't think right. quickly enough for that. Here, I was screaming mm-hmm. in the moment. Go check my Facebook page. I was screaming this when it happened. Call a timeout. Ask for a challenge. I know it's within the last right. two minutes. Ask for a challenge here. Call a timeout. Force the issue. Ask for a challenge. And here's why. Chris, let's right. suppose that um, the quarterback throws an interception. Okay? And as the defensive mm-hmm. team is returning that interception, someone waylays and hits the quarterback with unnecessary roughness. Do you understand what the picture I just laid out for you? Yeah. So it's a penalty. It's roughing do, the passer. It's unnecessary roughness. Should be Who a penalty. gets the yep. ball? The uh, team that got the interception. The ball yes. Go back Once to... there is a change of possession, all subsequent penalties right. does not revert back to the previous just team adds, having possession. Right. It doesn't matter what you do. Change right. of possession happened. Right. Here, when did the change of possession happen? Chris, it happened once he got the ball. Before he fell, if you watch the replay, he had possession of the ball right. he before yeah. he ever hit the ground. Okay, now Chris, when right. did the penalty happen? It did not happen on the hit. After that was hit a clean ground. hit. What's that? Right, it was at the ground. It was at the ground. It was, he was on the, the fall. When he, when got, he, when he put his entire body yeah. weight allegedly that's when it happened not uh-huh. on the original hit it was on the failure to brace himself although we know that's not true he did brace himself but still that's when the penalty would have happened it should have been a timeout it's just that no the penalty actually happened at the fall the possession had already changed hands chiefs should get the ball chris no one is talking about that on any podcast on any national news story i've yet to hear that but I've also yet to hear anyone discredit my theory. Do you, do you, have, do you have any thoughts? I, I can't discredit your theory. It's a sound logic. But Andy Reid didn't do anything, so we don't know for sure how that would have ended up. 
All right, you're right. Good point on that. All right, one last thought here, and Chris, this actually is is true. Unlike this next video, we're gonna see this happened early in the game before second half, and I, I wanted you to pay attention to how loud the crowd noise was. You want me to play that video again? Let, let's play it again. I'm gonna play this video again. Listen to the crowd noise. Car is hit from behind. And the ball is taken away by Jones. A flag comes out on the play. Well, I think Carl's going Personal full body weight. Roughing the passer, number 97. Defense, 15-yard penalty, automatic first down. So I had friends at the game. They told me that level lasted for 10 minutes. I'm telling you, they did not wow. let up one bit. Chris, the rest of the game, there was not another bad call. Oh, there was one more bad call. I don't think there was another call All against right. the Chiefs the rest of the game. Those refs were scared. In the NBA, have you heard of such a thing as a makeup call where the refs try to make up a bad call? Yep. We saw one half there of the refs of trying to make up calls for the Chiefs. There you go. All right. They, they had to. Well, I also noticed that, um, and not in your video, but when they cut to the halftime, Man, the Chiefs fans were letting the Raiders have it. They were throwing beer bottles and all sorts. Like, not all of them. There were a couple, right? Bad apples. But the Chiefs fans were riled up going into that half. I did not hear that. I'll take your word for it. I'm here, I'm here in Kansas City. Uh, I hate to mm -hmm. disparage our great fans. If a couple mm -hmm. of idiots, I would just maintain right? it's near Halloween. Possibly it was the Raiders fans disguised as Chiefs mm -hmm. fans throwing stuff on their own oh, players. Yeah. I'll just throw that out there for you that that is a Raiders thing to do. All right. Now, we've been talking a lot about the Chiefs, but there was another incident that happened regarding roughing the passer. Mm -hmm. This was involving Tom Brady. Let's watch this video. Take down Detroit. Tom Brady on third down, scans the field, and gets sacked. Brady Jarrett brings him down. But then a flag flies. What? How was that roughing the that passer? One, it was. I mean, again, it wasn't. Look at him come through. Take down Detroit. And he didn't even, like, he didn't, Tom Brady fell on him. Like, he did not, the rule is, right, the, the rule is that if me, Chris Marone, all six foot one, 330 pounds, if I'm landing on Tua with my full weight using the people's elbow, right, that's the penalty. This guy was the one on the ground pulling Tom Brady on top of him. I, 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 yeah, so many things we could say about this. Uh, you're, oh you're right when it comes to here... Uh, so we know you can't land with your full body weight. So what some defensive players do is they then twist to make sure they're not landing on top of the quarterback, which is what you just saw right, right. there. So what is it? You you twist, in which case it's also called throwing, or you land on top of him. What are they supposed to do? And so that was a perfect tackle. Right. They've gone crazy with this Tua thing. You, you were right to mention Tua at the beginning. Right. That was the genesis of this recent insanity amongst the officials. They will soon realize, no, the Tua thing, it was, it was a medical screw-up. It was not a bad hit. The hit right. was fine in Tua. Tua is just a small dude, and he's yep. easily concussed. We should not change our rules. Because, Chris, if those are going to be the rules, and, and you can't even hit the quarterback, mm -hmm. I, fans are going to lose interest. I tell you. I, I tell That's you. It's, um, it, it, I don't like it when you have a perfect play, a perfect defensive play, and the team gets penalized for that. Any thoughts?
Yeah. I mean, it changes the way the game's played, right? It changes the way the defenses roll. It changes the way that they treat refs. It changes the way that, that quarterbacks play. Now, if you know the quarterback is going to get a, um, a, a call for them, that may make quarterbacks a little more aggressive, right? You're, they may stay you, in the pocket a little bit longer. They may not right. throw it away and take the hit because they know they're going to get a roughing the passer and they're going to get 15 yards out of it. They're going to, you know, you got you got guys like Mahomes that are built like a truck that could take a hit, but you don't got guys like Tua that can't take a hit, right? So like right. these younger guys, like, let's let's say it's like third and fifteen or fourth and fifteen, and you need to tie the game. Hey, third string Zappy, quarterback, come here, buddy. You're going right. in right now, and you're gonna dance around that pocket until you take a roughing the passer hit and get us that first down. Right. That's what you would do. It's it's strategy. That's- it's a right. valid play. Just like the defensive, uh, when, you, right. when you're throwing a long pass, the quarterback will intentionally throw it short right. so the receiver has to stop and the right. defender then runs into him. You intentionally right. create a penalty by doing a bad play. Maybe they start intentionally yeah. getting hit and then crying foul. Like, oh, I've been hit. I've been concussed. I don't know. It's insanity. Right. It's got to stop. Right. Here's like my NBA. prediction. Yes. Go. They're going to be faking penalties here's right. my prediction what's going to happen here the nfl has said yes we will review this after the season is over that's what they said okay no they're going to change it this week they are sending a memo out to these up saying mm-hmm. you guys missed this you screwed it up here this we these were not good calls we know what you said to the public mm-hmm. but no these were bad calls for these reasons People are losing interest really quickly here. We we got to change the storyline. So stop with these idiotic calls. I, you know that memo went out this week, and I think you're going to see a change in this upcoming week, and you will not see these calls uh, like this. No, it might be an adjustment period because they do want to protect the quarterback. But I think they're quickly going to realize that Tua thing was not a mistake in the hit. It was a mistake in the medical evaluation. And these are two fine, perfect right. tackles of the quarterback. Right. All right, Chris. It is and now that time added, that could have that could have yeah. All right. I was say, that tackle on Brady could have changed the tide for them. So it did. That actually changed the game. You are absolutely right. The Chiefs right. one happened early. The Brady one happened at the end of the game. Third down and mm-hmm. ten. That sack would have made it fourth and twenty. They would have had to have punt. The Falcons would have had the ball only down by six. Instead, what happened? Right. The Falcons never got the ball back. And so that was the end of the game for the Falcons. They never got the ball back. And so, yeah, that that did change the outcome Mm -hmm. of that game. And it actually didn't cost anyone any bets because the Falcons still covered, actually. But uh, it it did change the outcome of the game. Speaking of bets, let's now let's review our season totals for this week. Let me go ahead and change our slide here so people can see it. There you go. I was four, four, and one last week. Uh, so I am 15, 15, and two for the year. You are two and four, nine of 17 for the week. Chris, I don't know. What, what, what do we want to say about that? I guess you are sending a positive message. Do you want to say anything? Gambling's uh, bad, defense? kids. No, gambling's bad, kids. Don't do All right, there you go. Right from the mouth of, of Andy Reid slash Alex Jones slash uh, whoever you are right now. All right, let's go Jones over Andy. our picks for this week. Actually, I've been talking a lot, so let's go over your picks first, then I will do my picks. All right, perfect. So we're 
This week, we're picking the Niners over the Falcons. Why? Because we are a Niners fan, and Joey Garoppolo is doing his job. Jimmy Hold G is on. doing his job. Chris, did uh, you not hear me last week? Do you remember what I said last week? Only um, one quarterback in the NFL it was 4-0 and mm-hmm. against the spread. Now that same quarterback is 5-0 and against the spread. Do you five know who that quarterback would be? One, Jimmy, James, Joey, Jalopolo, Garoppolo, home, no, homie that would not be all correct. of those. It would be the guy on the other Dang side it. of nope. the equation. It would be um, um, uh, Marcus Mediocre, Marcus Mariota, you don't, for you the don't, Atlanta Falcons. You don't even know his name. <laughs> he's that mediocre. Don't he's even that know his mediocre. name. He's that mediocre. He won- he's the guy on the Falcons. Yeah, he's not winning all these games. He's just covering the spread. He is 5-0 and against the spread. You are going against him, even though I warned you last week, you are going to do it again. I am going to do it again, because you know why? Because Niners faithful, man. Gold-blooded. Absolutely gold-blooded. I like it. All right, so Niners over the Falcons, right? Okay. That's what we're doing. Uh, Packers over the Jets. That should be a pretty obvious call for anybody with two brain cells. Hold uh, on a Cardinals second. Hold over... on a second. Just pause oh, right there. Yep. Nope. Not even going to. Nope. I'm not taking questions. Does that, does that point five scare you at all? No, not at all. That scares me. Not all right. All. Do you think I it's going to be a blowout? I don't know. I don't think it's going to be a blowout, but I don't think the Jets are going to be able to perform against the Green Bay defense. And even if they are, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to run rough shot over all the Jets defense. So it's not like. I mean. Look, you know I don't like Aaron Rodgers, and it hurts me to say that he's a good quarterback. But all right, he's the Jets. There you go. Come on. You you, you are taking the um, negative seven point five. All right. Yeah, negative seven point five. It's just what we're gonna do, Joel. This is why gambling's bad, kids. This is why gambling's bad. Okay. Um, we're gonna take the Cards over the Seahawks mainly because I'm feeling Arizona right now, and two point five is a pretty easy hump for them to go. All right, you're homesick. I get it. Um, and then I get, I do, I do. I miss, I miss my wife. Um, and then I want to do this because Dallas Cowboy Cooper Rush, yes, right? the second string quarterback from from old wherever, the kid that was never supposed to play because they have the sixty million dollar man in Dak. Guess what? Homeboy is the only undefeated quarterback in Dallas Cowboy history. So we're wow. gonna go with Dallas. Just because it's also plus six. Do I think yeah, Dallas nah. is going to win the game? That's hard. That's a hard call. I don't think so, but I think it's going to be closer than six points. Since you are talking about this game, let me offer my two cents because I agree 1,000% with your pick here. And I want to embellish as to why I think this right. is such a great pick. First of all, whenever I see a score like this, a, a matchup, I ask myself first, oh. who's going to win that game? I think Dallas is going to win this game straight up. Here is why. The Philadelphia quarterback, who I love, Jalen Hurts. He's one of my favorite quarterbacks. Yep. He is Jekyll and – is it Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde? Or do I got those reversed? Whatever. You get the idea. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. When he is playing against a good defense, he is horrendous. When he plays against a bad defense – he is amazing. Look at his numbers. He's like the number one rated quarterback against defenses ranked 20th and below. Against good defenses, he is a bottom-tiered quarterback. It makes all the difference in the okay. world. 
he is going up against the number one by far defense in the NFL. Micah Parsons is right. a stud beyond a stud. They have an amazing yeah. defense. They are going to have Jalen Hurts for lunch on the Sunday. And so oh, yeah. I think that is a great pick. I think Dallas beats them outright. Jalen Hurts is going to be eaten up by mm -hmm. Micah Parsons, and it's going to be a Dallas blowout. That's my pick. And it's going to be delivering the first loss to the Eagles. Right. For the season. So the Eagles are undefeated. So it's going to be a big game. Right. 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 And so then um, I've given up on Russell Wilson, man. If you watched that Thursday night football game, I think you're entitled to financial compensation. <laughs> right. It right. was absolutely horrible. And, you know, Broncos country, like, we're not doing it over the Chargers. The Chargers are doing pretty good this season. And I mean, they are the 5.5 or the five favorites, which I think is actually kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Generous. Yes. I think the Chargers are going to win by much more than, more than five. All right. There much, you much go. More. I like the, a lot of those picks, just yep. not the first half. All right. Here mm -hmm. are my picks for this week. Uh, let's start off here with KU. Joel. And OU, this is ridiculous that OU is a nine-point favorite over the Kansas Jayhawks. OU is an embarrassment Undefeated. right now. No, they lost last week. Very close game. Aww. It was a nick and tuck game. An officiating call kind of ruined it there for the Jayhawks mm -hmm. at the end of the game. But it was a close game. I don't know why the spread is nine points OU's favorite. If not for any other reason than it's OU versus the Jayhawks. I get that. But the history is not playing this Saturday. The present is playing and colliding this this Saturday. Now you might say, but KU's quarterback is injured and will not play. That is true. However, the backup quarterback last week against mighty Iowa State, Iowa State has a great defense. Uh, actually, no, it was TCU. Mm -hmm. Came in against TCU and scored. Count them. Not one, not two. Four touchdowns. This guy can play, All right. and I think KU will cover. They're going to beat OU straight up this weekend. What is up with the second pick? Iowa State is a 16-and-a-half-point dog against Texas? I don't know. Well, Texas I, did show up last week against OU, so OU maybe. stinks. They are pathetic. Texas I is pathetic. I, I cannot believe a 16 and a half point spread. Iowa State has a great defense. Unless half their defense comes down with, with COVID and the flu and twisted ankles, I don't see how they cannot cover <laughs> the 16 and a half a point spread. So how about this yeah. one? Illinois. Now I I, I noticed I bold. I I bolded Illinois game, yeah. Tennessee's game, Atlanta, Saints, Giants, and Seahawks. Do you know what is the common pattern between all of those games. Let me tell you why as you're looking at them over, trying to figure out what mm -hmm. the pattern is. All of those are teams that I am going to pick. They're going to win the game outright. I think those are the favorites oh. in each of those games. They are Ooh. each home dogs. So each of these teams are playing mm -hmm. at home as an underdog. And mm -hmm. I think each one is probably going to win the game in any event. But even if they don't win it, they're going to cover the spread. This. Illinois, a six-and-a-half-point dog okay. against Minnesota. Tennessee, Alabama's backup quarterback. Have you seen their backup? Horrendous. He cannot no. play I whatsoever. I don't watch and Alabama. So, it's already been announced that Alabama's quarterback, the Heisman Trophy candidate Young, is out this week. 
So Tennessee, I think, is going to cover that game. Uh, Atlanta over the 49ers, for the reasons I already mentioned, their quarterback is undefeated against the spread this year. I'm going to run with it until I lose. The Saints over the Bengals. Again, a home dog in the Saints. I got to go with the home dog. Giants over the Ravens. Mm -hmm. Six points for the Giants. The Giants have made a huge turnaround this year. I got to take the home dog in that that one as well. Seahawks, Arizona. I'm not sure that your quarterback has even learned to watch game film yet, so I'm not worried about that one. Uh, Again, the Seahawks are a home dog. Yes. And then I I liked your pick of the Cowboys uh, over the Eagles. So there you go. Those are my 10 picks. For this week, I their strength in numbers, I guess. I don't know. Better chance to go 500. But, hey, Chris, exactly. enjoy D.C. Say hi to the Bidens for me and safe travels. Will do. And we'll see you next week. See you next week, Joel. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star review. We need your love to help us continue highlighting the funnier side of the law. I want to give a special shout-out to our Vice President of Operations, Wendy Oster, without whom this entire operation would be a complete and utter mess. Sean Wynn and 15.5 Features for making me sound way better than I actually do. Brooke Bolin for our marketing efforts. And Ryan Kuhn and Paul Kuhn of Tri. Plus City Marketing for our technical and computer support.